taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. So today I want to talk from the subject, It's Worth It. I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 58. It's just one single vo- uh, verse that I want to look at today. And I want to encourage us to effectively keep on keeping on when it comes to this, uh, this work of engaging in a Christ-centered career. Here's what it says from the New International Version. It says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. La Sagrada Familia, also known as the Gaudi Cathedral, it is a humongous cathedral in, in Barcelona, Spain, that has been under construction for nearly 100 years. There are many construction workers who have worked on the site and played important parts in the building's construction that have long since passed on. Uh, Those people who have worked on the building have long since passed on and were never able to see the building's completion. They gave of their time, their skill, their labor, their long hours, I'm sure not merely for the money that they were compensated, but also for the joy of one day seeing the grand work come to completion. When Carla and I visited the building some years ago, I remember taking a picture that was zoomed in from far away. The picture was of a construction worker who was standing on a scaffold hundreds of feet in the air doing work on just this small corner of the building. Now, the reason that I took this picture is because I wanted that picture to remind me that just like that construction worker, when it comes to the kingdom of God, I, like him, am just a construction worker doing my part within a grand design that is too great to be accomplished by one person and too vast to likely see its completion in my lifetime. So instead, my role is to simply stay on the scaffold. Uh, Stay on the construction site, continuing to do the work, knowing that ultimately it's worth it. Uh, When I look at that worker on that scaffold, not only do I see myself, but I also see you. I see all of you who are or will engage in Christ-centered careers seeking to use your day-to-day work and your network and your resources to advance God's principles of love and peace and hope and justice and equity. I see you and I realize that the work to be done, the change that we seek, the just the loving, the peaceful, the equitable society, it just may not come within our lifetime. But I want to encourage you today, 
with the words that I said to myself the other day when reflecting on that picture of that construction worker working at the Gaudi Cathedral. Keep doing your part. I want to say to you today, stay on the scaffold. Uh, in this kind of work that decenters the self and centers the hurting and the marginalized and the voiceless, it can sometimes feel like it's just not worth it. You can, go, you can grow weary of always being that one in the meeting speaking up for those who are not represented at the table. You can get tired of being the only one or one of the only ones in the group or organization that moves the way that you are trying to move, but keep on going. Stay on the scaffold. Uh, stay on the scaffold because your work matters and because you, as a Christian, will, will realize one day its full potential in the new heaven and the new earth that the Bible talks about. This is effectively what Paul is telling the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's essentially telling them to keep on keeping on. He's telling them to stand firm in the faith, to continue the, the work and be confident that this life isn't all that there is. He wants them to be assured that though life can indeed be challenging and arduous, that although we will one day say good night to this world, one day we will say good morning to another one. And in that new world, in that new heaven, in that new earth, where the former things have passed away, peace prevails in the place of violence and war. Justice reigns in the place of injustice. Love is the order of the day, not skepticism, fear, and hatred. And we will occupy that new Jerusalem and all shall live under the ethics of the kingdom of God. He says to them, in essence, don't be short-sighted. Lift your eyes up beyond the immediate and look out toward what the future holds. And he says to them, I want your hope for the next life to fuel your Christ-centered work in this life. He says to them again in verse 58, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves, watch this, fully to the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so today, in light of Paul's words to the church at Corinth that they should keep on keeping on, I want to say to the church at City Point to keep on keeping on because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Yes, stay on the scaffold because your work matters. Stay on the scaffold because you will see its full realization in the new heaven and the new earth that the Bible talks about. And so when I look at the text, the first thing that I see is that Paul calls them to, conf to have confidence. The text says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Another translation says, be ye steadfast, immovable. What, what Paul is referencing here is that he wants them to remain fixed in terms of their faith. Paul has heard concerns while he's been away from Corinth that some doctrine has creeped into the church that has started to happen. And now, now some of the very foundational parts of the people's faith and beliefs have started to get a little shaky. 
To the point, it's gotten to the point where some are believing that there may really not even be such a thing as the resurrection of the dead at all. Paul reminds them that there are some folks that are still alive that saw Jesus get crucified, that saw Jesus breathe his last breath. Paul reminds them that there are still people alive that saw his side get pierced with the spear through his, and, and go through his side and to his heart. They saw him get taken down from the cross, and there were folks still alive that saw him a few days later after that that hung out with him for 40 days and for 40 nights. Paul told them, I can tell you for certain that the dead do get up, and, in Jesus, and indeed, Jesus did just that. In verse 5, Paul says to them that Peter saw him. In verse 5, Paul says to them that John and them saw him too. In verse 6, Paul says about 500 more people who were together at the same time saw him. And Paul says, even though I wasn't there, just a little bit later, I saw him because he came to holler at me when I was on that road to Damascus with letters in my hand to go persecute and snatch out Christians, Jews who had turned Christians and were trying to convert others. Paul says, I saw him when I heard a voice. Paul says, I was on the Jesus opposition team, and then I met him through a voice and a light on the Damascus Road. Paul says, that day I lost my sight temporarily through this encounter with Jesus. But Paul says, when I really reflect on it, I was already blind, and Jesus actually gave me new sight. And I've been following him ever since. Paul says to them, stand firm on your faith in Jesus. Don't let new ideas and new information knock you off of your foundation. I know a whole lot more. I'm talking about me now. After seminary, I now know a whole lot more than I ever have before about Christianity and the church and the Bible and its history and the misinterpretations and the misrepresentations, the abuse of the faith, the abuse of the church, the abuse of people and the inconsistencies in scripture. And to keep it 100, I even question the idea of the Bible even being infallible and even being without error. But, but in the midst of all of that, one thing I do still believe, and that is this thing that is fundamental to my faith and salvation. I believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that he died for our sins. And I don't know exactly how God did it, but on the third day, God got him up from the grave with all power in his hands. I still believe that. And we live in a time where the cross of Christ and even his so-called church aligns itself with hate and intolerance and political violence and fascism and authoritarianism. And so in this time, it can be tempting at times to just dismiss everything about our faith. I want to challenge y'all this morning, like Paul said, stand firm. Stand firm not just because of what you've read or what I or some other preacher has said, but stand firm because of your own testimony, your own experiences with Jesus. The, the songwriter said the other day, ask me how I know he lives because he lives within my soul. Yeah, stand firm on your faith. Don't let anything move you. The second thing I see here in the text is not only this word about confidence, I see a word about commitment. 
or call to commitment. Look at the B part of verse 5. It says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. I think everybody reaches the point when they're doing something good or something altruistic, they begin to wonder quietly or even out loud, is it worth it? I think back to when I worked in education, I, I recall the day that I, I walked out of a meeting. The reason I walked out of that meeting is I walked out after needing to explain why it was inappropriate for this disciplinary data housing software that the school was exploring using for our kids to kind of record infractions and things like that the kids did, that, that as the person who was there walking us through how to use the software was pointing out the categories, and the categories had names for kids like perpetrator, victim. We're talking about referencing kindergartners who pushed somebody so they could get to the water fountain before, before them. And so frankly, I was tired of explaining to people that they needed to humanize black bodies. And so at that moment, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I walked out of that meeting because I needed a moment. But also because I was just fed up and wondering, is this even worth it? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been there where the good that you are doing that is coming out of your ethics of following Christ has just led you to a place of just feeling like giving up, like letting it go, like, like just shutting up, just minding your own business and cashing your own checks, T taking the easier road instead, doing work that in any way advances the principles of God's kingdom just be done with it. It's doing this kind of work can be exhausting. It can leave you feeling defeated. I wonder if you've been there. Maybe not only have you been there, but you are there this morning. Maybe today you are like, Pastor, I have tried the Christ-centered career thing, and I'm ready to dump that and pursue a cash-centered career only. Pastor, I'm done chasing righteousness. I'm just going to chase paper. I see you. I hear you. I am you. But Paul says, keep going. Keep giving yourself to the work of the Lord. Keep going. What, what is the Lord's work? Remember, thinking back a few weeks ago in this series, we were looking at Matthew chapter 25. Jesus talks about the kind of work that is his. Matthew 25, 35, he says, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Verse 40, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Yes, the Lord's work is making the overlooked visible. In that passage, the question comes out, Lord, when did we see you? Visibility. He, he says, you saw me when the overlooked became visible. And that is effectively Christ-centered work. When those who are otherwise overlooked, you make visible through your work. Yes, 
Many of you are finding ways to do that through your day-to-day work, and it gets exhausting. But keep going. The final thing I see in the text is a word about commencement, and I get out of your way. This past May, I I finished my master's degree in public ministry. The, The highlight of that season was the graduation ceremony, also called the commencement ceremony. This ceremony was held in this beautiful chapel on a gorgeous spring morning, and the highlight within the highlight is when they called my name, and I walked up to receive the reward of my diploma. The commencement was a celebration, not just of what I had finished, it was a celebration of the new status, the new opportunities, and the new life that I was stepping into with these credentials. What Paul wants the Corinthians to know is that the reason that they should stand firm in their faith and the reason they should stay on the scaffold, if you will, and keep on keeping on when it comes to doing Christ-centered work, the reason that Paul wants them to do that is because there will be a graduation one day, a commencement ceremony, if you will. And it will not just be an acknowledgement of what they finished. It will be a congratulating and a welcoming into a new life. Yeah, my seminary commencement, I wore a long black robe with, with honor cords and a kente shawl. But at our kingdom commencement, somebody said we'll wear long white robes. And we will receive honors for the work that we've done. At my seminary commencement, I wore a cap and a tassel. At our kingdom commencement, we shall wear crowns. At my seminary graduation, my mother and father and wife and daughter were there. At our kingdom graduation, the ancestors and kin who have departed this life that were never there for our earthly graduations will be spectating and participating and celebrating and cheering us on. Paul says... Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor is not in vain. It is not in vain, Paul says, because the resurrection is real. What you have believed in is real. The God and Christ in whom you have faith placed your faith are real. And since we have confidence in all of this, we can be confident that no matter what, no matter what we don't see happen in this world before we say goodnight to it, we will see it in the resurrection and we will receive our rewards for our work. Hebrews 6 and 10 says, God is not unjust. God will not forget your work and the love that you have shown. Romans 8 and 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I want to just close with this quote from Matthew Henry's commentary on this text. He says, note, those who serve God have good wages. They cannot do too much nor suffer too much. For so good a master. If they serve God now, 
they shall see God hereafter. If they suffer for God on earth, they shall reign with God in heaven. If they die for God's sake, they shall rise again from the dead, be crowned with glory, honor, and immortality, and inherit eternal life. It's worth it. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for pushing us, for challenging us, that it is worth it, that our labor is not in vain, that we can keep on keeping on in our pursuit of doing the good work through Christ-centered careers, knowing that it's not in vain. You give us rewards here, blessings here, but we also have another reward, a commencement to look forward to. And we look forward to it, where we will hear you say those words, servant, well done. Help us in the meantime, have the courage and the fortitude to keep on with the well-doing, looking forward to you saying well done. If it is never appreciated in our jobs, it's okay. If it is never appreciated by our peers, it's okay. If that kind of work is not sexy on the gram and does not solicit lots of likes, it's okay. Help us place our sights on that great graduation day when we shall receive our congratulations from you. Help us do this work for an audience of one. To you be glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.